Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Iceland Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. And welcome to another exciting, enticing, fantastic episode of Hot Star Wars and Marvel Talk with the Wretched Hive Podcast for approximately Friday, April 22nd. 2022. My name is Steve Baldwin. I'm so happy to be back on the show after my colleagues took over, took the reins of this here show and did a kick-ass job of breaking down Moon Knight episode one through three. We're going to cover episode four tonight, Scott and Dave. And Nico, he was in his chair still. He somehow disappeared. I don't know what what the hell happened to him. Hopefully he'll be back, but uh, we're going to talk to him. He is the magic he's, man. We're going to talk some. He's probably in a sarcophagus in a mental institution somewhere. <laughs> we're going to talk, <laughs> talk some Moon Knight. We're going to talk some Thor trailer. Yeah. And we're going to talk some Batu East. Going to give a little little mini breakdown of my of my trip to Walt Disney World and my visit to Batu East that took place last week. But before we get there, we'll do some quick introductions. Joining me tonight on the show, Scott Ivansky, Dave Potter, and allegedly Nico Rodriguez. I'm staring at an empty chair. Oh, hey, hello, hello, guys. Hey, hi, how are you? (laughs) That's really, really good, actually. I couldn't differentiate. Thank you, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) We got three people doing Nico right now. Whoa, this did get dark. Oh, man. Guys, I feel like I'm the fourth wheel here. Well, I'm the third. Uh, I, no, you're not. You're the one recording the three people doing Nico. Hey-oh! It's, it's strange. <laughs> well, you guys did a bang-up job last week covering episode one through three of Moon Knight. And thank you for, for covering the show, guys. You guys did a great job. I appreciate that very much. Thanks, boss. Yeah, thanks, yeah. man. Dave, yeah. really, Dave kicked ass, and uh, and we uh, the, the rest of us here had a... A fun time doing it. So I, I literally could not have done it without the two of you. Wow. Yeah. Woo-hoo. A lot of fun. Hey, there he is. Nico's back. Hey, hi, how are you? We literally just got rolling. So welcome to the show, Nico Rodriguez. Glad to be here, Steve. Thanks for having gentlemen. All right. So Thank we are start. we are done. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> they were impersonating you pretending like you were here and uh they, i think they nailed it i'm just going to go out on a limb and nail it. Uh, well for their sake i hope they did oh i'm just excited to hear nico's response after he listens to this episode <laughs> exactly exactly uh guys uh we've got a few things to talk about first off just want to share a little bit about my uh, my trip back to the East Coast, guys, I went to Central Florida to visit a little city named Orlando. Have you ever heard of Orlando, Florida, guys? It's soon to be the um, the place Disney was. <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I think uh, 
Scott, don't make any topical jokes. I think we've established Steve has not seen the news in at least the last seven days. I'm totally – yeah, you guys are talking about topical things and news and something Ted Cruz said, and I have no idea what you're talking about. So uh, I'll just, really I'll just bring you up to date. Will Smith slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars. Just in case you missed a couple of things. What are you kidding me? No, no seriously, it that impressive. happened. It was actually yeah. impressive. The one, the one thing I did catch is the federal, the federal judge in Florida who decided that COVID does not exist on airplanes. Yeah, so it's, it's great. We can all fly without a mask now, which is well, really since- good public health policy. So I didn't realize that that judge came from within Florida. <laughs> yes, Central Florida. I left, and the judge made the ruling. The oh, they're, re- they're retaliating against Disney right now because yeah, okay. so there's just it's oh. just funny. That's all that you were in Florida at Disney, and so uh, oh, I didn't. Okay, and by the way, special to all our Florida listeners right now, yes. gay, 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 super gay. gay. We love it. Yay, Disney, pro Disney. I love Disney. I love Disney. <laughs> well, we talk a lot about Disney properties on this show. Yeah. I mean. We do. Yeah. We're, we're, are, are we, is this, is this show a shill, Scott Ivansky? Are we a shill for, for Disney? Oh, when I see the first check, then I'll say yes. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah. What Scott's saying is that we're not a shell for Disney, but we could be. We could be. We could be. There is a price, <laughs> and I bet it's reasonable to Disney. So let's talk, guys. It is seriously. All right. Well, well, my 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 trip to uh, to Orlando included a trip to uh, the Magic Kingdom. We did. We we walked through the Magic Kingdom all day long. It was it was eighty three degrees and about eighty three percent humidity. It was like walking through water most most of the day. Uh, it wasn't that bad. It was like sixty percent, but still a lot lot more humid than it is here in, in Cali. Uh, I gotta say, Disneyland kicks Walt Disney World's ass. Yes. Or, or yeah. Magic Kingdom's ass, I should say. Yeah. No. West yeah, Coast. Comparison. Come on. The best coast. Best coast. That's right. Uh, and then we also had an opportunity to go to Epcot. Now I will say Epcot. Not my first time there, but Epcot is pretty awesome. Epcot's cool. Yeah. That whole area, right? It's just like this magical area of parks everywhere. You got it. Well, well, the the Walt the the Magic well Walt Disney World includes the Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Hollywood Studios, mm-hmm. the Animal Kingdom, all these different parks, and Epcot is is uh, you know these like represented these different all the these different countries are represented around this huge man made lake, and it's really cool. You can walk through, and there's there are people there that are native to the country. The in quotes country that you're visiting and they speak to you in their language and you can you know there's all kinds of food you can have and stuff you can buy and of course you know stuff you buy um but it's 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 really cool it's it's um you, if you ever have a chance to go to epcot highly recommend it's it's pretty neat cool uh we went to the animal kingdom on day three nice and that was very cool and then um day four we got to go to hollywood I guess it's called Hollywood um, Studios, I think. Okay. Uh, but that is where uh, Batu East is located. So we got to go to um, 
Galaxy's Edge in Orlando and check out the Star Wars uh, vibe there. So I have a couple questions, Steve, but one yeah. thing real quick, because you just mentioned it, it's not in Disneyland. Like no, it's separated it, outside. It is. It, it's a different park. So it, it's set up a little differently than, than it is here. Huh. It's in, it's in a, the, well, the whole Walt Disney world complex is you, you enter, you could enter driving in a car, you enter, you could enter the Walt Disney world complex and 40 minutes later, drive out the other side. I mean, it's, it's, it's mind boggling how big it is. Okay. Um, and one of the uh, parks that's a separate entrance from the other parks is called is, is Hollywood. I can't remember what it's called because I'm drinking wine, but it, it's, it's the Hollywood studios. Okay. Park. And um, part of that is galaxy's edge. Okay. But includes Batu, of course. So Batu East. Um, so a couple of things stood out for me visiting uh, Batu East versus Batu West. Um, one element is that it's it, it's a little bit smaller than ours. Ours is sort of like stretched out, thin and long, and kind of takes up the outer edge of Disneyland. Batu East is has a lot, uh, most of the same stuff, the same rides and the same attractions and the same shopping areas and food, but it's kind of like squinched together, so it's a little bit smaller footprint. Although somehow they've managed to build it so that there's more walking space, like the walking space is wider. So it feels sort of like um, a little more spacious in terms of the, the landmass that you have to move around, but it's in a smaller footprint. It's, 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 it's strange. It's just strange compared to ours. Interesting. Cause one of the cool things I like about Batu uh, West is how it is. Like you said, it skirts the outside of the park, even though it's inside the park, but it brings yeah. you back to another land. So right. I do like how you can loop through the park and actually kind of like sidetrack. You don't have to go around that giant lake and get around right. by the haunted mansion and all that stuff. You can actually just cut right in and you're in a different world. And it makes you feel that way when you walk through. Yes. There is that transfer of like the scenery as you go under those tunnels so it's it's just different. It's a different type of layout, more compact but wider. You're saying, yeah, and and that's a great point, Scott. Because one of the elements of of Batu West here in Anaheim is exactly that that you 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 transition from sort of like the Disney World, Disneyland part of the world to the Batu Galaxy's Edge. And you feel like you're in a different, like you're in a different planet. There's this transition that's very smooth and it feels natural. And even like the sounds and the music are sort of like blended together in a way that you really, there's no point where it's like, it's not black and white. It's this gray sort of transition. And you don't realize that all of a sudden you're in Batu. Um, Disney World Batu yeah. on the East Coast is not like that. There are, two in it. there are two entrances and it's a little bit more black and white when you cross over. So it's not as um, fluid, I guess, as okay. you could say as ours is. And I like that about ours. Yeah. Yeah. I was when, when it first opened, I know you got to go right away. I got, I think I went later that summer Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting how that worked. The, the land itself is fan fantastic. Uh, but I do love how 
you know, that's the concept of Disney is you're, you're not in reality anymore. You, you lose yourself in, into the park. So the fact that it's part of the park, you wanted to lose yourself going into another world. And I thought they did a fantastic job of that. Right. Now, I will say that the employees in Batu East are have complete buy-in with the whole, you're not in Disneyland here, you're in Star Wars. Oh, so same thing. Yes, but even more so, I feel like, than we've experienced recently here in, in Anaheim. Okay. Like, there's a little bit of a, I don't know if it's fatigue or if it's just sort of like, um, you know, the threads are, 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 are coming loose along the, the fraying along the edge of the blanket, you know, a little bit, yeah. but there, there's just a loosening of the, of the vibe here that it's not, you know, like that first week that I went to Batu West, but you were talking about when it first opened here in Anaheim, I said something about a star Wars movie to one of the employees and they were like, what's star Wars? Uh, like they were, they were not of this earth. Gotcha. They were in another world. Literally, there's okay. you can't buy anything that says Star Wars on it, there, and that's really cool. It says like you're literally on a planet in Star Wars. So why would you know what Star Wars is? Right. And Batu is that way. They, they everyone greets you with you know bright suns. They have their little Batu phrases that they say. Okay. Um, and it it. The we, we went to um, Oga's Cantina there in Batu East, um, which was like lively. They were singing songs. The bartenders were like up on the bar, leading chants in the bar. It was it was a very lively scene compared to our very different than ours, which is more like kind of chill and you know yeah. I don't know. It was it was a little bit of a different vibe there. Um, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, the rides uh, were the same, swag okay. was the same, but some very subtle differences. So it's funny, uh, I'm going to just bring this up while you're talking about it. I haven't experienced Batu since the shutdown. So it's mm. been over two years, uh, which is shocking to say, because it was the summer before 2019 that it opened up. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, and so I saw, I went the, the end of summer and got that full experience that you're talking about right now, when they still believed it, if that's how it's changing now, that feeling of fatigue or afraid, you know, feelings of everything. Yeah. But I did go in January, 2020, right before the shutdown to ride, uh, rise of, was it, um, rise of the resistance, rise of the resistance. Mm -hmm. And I will say that I still felt that way going into that moment because one, it was a brand new ride. A friend of mine works there. I was lucky enough. Um, and I thanked him a million times for doing this to do the employee ride experience where I got to actually review it and do all that. And I had a great time, but what shocked me the most was the rides phenomenal. I loved it. Um, and not to get back all into that. It was just the way that the employees on the ride handled it. It's exactly like you're talking, Steve. And so if that's happened to change over the last two years, one, I'm going to, I'm going to chalk it up to fatigue for the sense that we've been shut down. Yeah. You know, basically two years. I know Florida is different. Um, I'm not going to criticize them for that. I just saying that I know that they stayed open for quite a bit of time with Mm -hmm. very little shutdown with that park. 
That doesn't mean they weren't being safe. I, I don't know the procedures on that, but I do know that here we had Disneyland shut down for what a year and a half, like 18 months. Yeah. yeah. So I know that there might be a new feeling about being back and I haven't been back since. So yeah. I'm curious to see how that, that plays into Disneyland West now. That, that's a great point. And, and we talked about this actually when we were there, that, that the Florida Disney World parks were only closed for a couple of months or something. Um, and, the, and Disneyland was closed for a year and a half. That yeah. was, so that, that could be a, a factor in, in the approach that the employees have taken. I do want to share one last thing. I did not buy any swag because literally the t-shirts, the hats, the stuff that was at Batu East, identical to everything here. It's like they just print one set of stuff and they go to both parks. What? Wait, Disney from a branding perspective prints the exact same merchandise to sell at both Galaxy Edge parks. That is shocking. Well, Hold on. From, from a business standpoint, Dave, I love your humor on this, but you have to say you would be smart to add a couple extra things specific to the region, right? Everything was identical. I agree. They, they should, yes, they should have some, they should have a couple things that are like specific to Disneyland, right. specific to Disney World. Yes. Disney Europe, if that fucking thing is still open, you know, Disneyland <laughs> right. Tokyo, whatever it is. Yes. Yes, because they, they already cater to the collector's market. I mean, you guys go much more frequently than I do, but correct me if I'm wrong. They have little pins and they have little things that are set oh. up for the collector's market for sale at, at all of the Disney oh, you're parks kidding me. around the world. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't, Dave, don't go down that rabbit hole. My God, you're going to get oh, in this. We can start a podcast <laughs> just about Disney collector pins. I'm oh, sure there's right. one. I'm sure there's Loop, one. Looping us back that thing about being a show for Disney. I'm just saying, if you're listening, there is a price that I guarantee Disney can pay. <laughs> so please have your people call us direct. You don't even need to call our people. Just call us direct. Yeah, have show at wretchedhypodcast.net. There you go. 562-455-4483. There you go. We, we can totally he's... be bought. I promise you that. Unfreeze him and have him talk to any of the guys here. We'll 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 talk. Let's do it. Uh, I did get one souvenir, however. Okay. Star Wars centric. It was not in Batu. It was at the Magic Kingdom that I will share. Uh, was it 3PO's left arm? No. <laughs> it was not 3PO's left arm. How much was 3PO's left arm? Hang on. You sent a picture of that to everybody. I How did, much was that little bit of memorabilia? That was in a case somewhere. I don't remember where that was. Uh, or she does. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, 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 you know, podcast means alcohol is being consumed, but I knew that you would get like this. I'm going to wind it up. I'm going to, I'm going to tilt my camera down. Uh Oh, we're going to a weird space here. Yeah, we are. Uh, here oh, we go. Geez. Dude, no way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Bitches. What I, happens if we shoot it? I bought a a, a droid. <laughs> so on the way home, every now and then it'll unwind itself a little bit and just like gronk, gronk. And so in the luggage, you could hear it gronk. Anyway, that that was my super. Oh, and I got a water cup that I have to show you my water. Yes, cup. my oh, chewy. Where's your mug? Know. Your li- that's, that's Life Day Chewy, right? Life that is. Day Chewy on, yes. 
Steve, I'd like to say that the coffee cup, the coffee mug that has that same image you got me, I use that every single day. That's probably the best gift I've ever given anyone. It's amazing. Damn it. Hold on. Hang on. Got a technical glitch here with the podcast. We're in a a windstorm. There we go. All right. All right. So uh, thanks for indulging me. I thought you guys would want to hear about Batu East, and uh, it was a fun trip, and I, I will go again. Epcot alone. If I lived there, I'd probably go to Epcot a lot because there's a lot of good food and good people there. It was a lot of fun. That's Epcot, cool. Epcot's cool. Sounds fun. I, I do want to visit sometime. Let's go. Let's let's plan a podcast trip. We'll record from there. Great. Let me, All let right. Me, let me sell a couple organs and a couple pieces of property, and then maybe I'll stay at the hotel. <laughs> it's not cheap. It's not cheap. <laughs> we got to go because my my beautiful bride had a conference to go to, and it was lovely to stay there. Oh, uh, no, no. I'm not talking about the trip. I'm talking about the Star Cruiser or whatever. Oh, <laughs> Jesus, no. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't even get over there. Mm. Concierge at our hotel was like, nope, nope, no info for you, buddy. Wow. wow Where's no your credit card? You. Yeah. Well, yeah. Even Elon Musk thinks that place is too expensive. I mean, they've... <laughs> they've... Yeah. Yeah, it's 2500 for two nights, Jesus basically. Uh, and that's like the entry. That's just to get like the, the. That's just bottom. to walk into the lobby. You don't yes. even get to stay in a hotel room. That just is to walk through the lobby and breathe the air. Bargain basement cabin, cabin oh. in this ship that you're staying on. No extras. That's just to get on the ship. Wow. Yeah, that's your top row in the stadium. You know, it's below <laughs> steerage in the Titanic. That's the level of room that you get. It's you know what it is. It's Steve. It's the scene in Jurassic Park when the lawyer is talking in the meeting room, and he's like, "Oh, you know, it, we'll just we'll give we'll give them a coupon day once a year that the the peons can basically come and check yeah. out the place, and that's it." Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, All right, so yeah, did not do that, but uh, who knows? <laughs> Maybe someday when they drop the price by like ninety percent, we'll see. All right, guys, uh, let's move on uh, and let's talk about the Thor trailer. The Thor that. Love and Thunder trailer dropped. Thunder. And uh, we're going we're gonna to give a full review when Greg is back because I know he's got a lot of thoughts on this. But we wanted to touch on this a little bit. Just yeah, Greg. Greg, Greg has a massive heart on for this movie. So we are going to wait for him to have a yeah. meaningful discussion about it. That's fair. That's totally fair. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He does have a big boner for for Thor generally. <laughs> I think he uh, well for the the for the for this particular director's interpretation of Thor. Let's let's. All right. Yeah. Oh yeah, fair. that's fair. I will um, I will go so far as to say it's more than just this director's interpretation of Thor, and more kind of he's a Taika Waititi fanboy. Oh yeah, yeah. Like well, beyond I, just his Marvel stuff, he kind of really likes him some Waititi. Hey, Jojo Rabbit is one of the funniest fucking movies. I think one of the best films I've maybe, maybe top 25 in the last 10 years that I've seen. I mean, that film is brilliant. I would go even top 15, man. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, It's up there. That film, that film should really be just a piece of junk and it's, and it's a masterpiece and it's a tribute to, to his vision for pushing that thing over the finish line. It's just magnificent. Which yep. let's get to this trailer off that note right there that Dave just mentioned. His yeah. vision for this is just beautiful. Just so beautiful. 
we're not going shot by shot. Nope. And, and I know Greg will probably want to do that. So we'll yeah, hold off on that. But but Scott, we talked about this before we rolled uh uh virtual tape here. So what what what's your take on this on this uh trailer, Scott? What do you think of it and uh what stood out for you about the trailer? Mine minus the weird things that Greg might have, you know, some weird love or lust for Taika Waititi and all that. I'm, I'm on board. I'm with Greg. I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm going to say 99.9% to his level. Just not, I'm not pushing it that extra 0.1%. It's, it looks so good. Um, you that guys, okay. I think you guys brought my attention to it. I didn't even realize I was doing some stuff and and I'm like, okay, I got to jump in on this. And the first thing that hits me, I'm not, I'm going to, I will leave everything for the big review. I have to hit on, actually, I said one thing, but I'm going to hit two things real quick. Taika Waititi and whoever edits his trailers, yeah, fucking genius. Because the use of music in this is so spot on perfect. And it does hit my genre, my, my, I mean, my generation, my era of listening to certain types of music. But it's not just that. It's a remix that I had never heard before, and it's done perfectly. And it's great. It adds to the color and the vibrance of everything we see in the trailer. I think this is going to be awesome because of the story that it's going to be covering. But I have to point out one small thing. We'll get to it when Greg talks uh, next time on the show. Guys, Tom Cruise is literally canon now in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I was wondering, when you said you had one thing you wanted to talk about, I was wondering if that was it. Because I I know exactly what you're going to say. Dude, I am just going to say this flat out. Cocktail is a guilty pleasure beyond all things. And the fact that the fucking bar neon sign is on the boat that (laughs) Thor is flying. If, if so, I so I see it. I am pretty sure that that's what the sign says. I'm pretty sure it's a sign lifted directly from the movie. I can't get a clear enough view of it to say it with a hundred percent certainty. I can't. But, but if if that is there, that is a little genius bit of of whatever to just give some color and flavor to what Thor's lifestyle is like at this point. Because right. that is flipping hilarious. That it, is. Almost as good as the picture of Skeet Ulrich in the devil's bedroom in South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. <laughs> That's brilliant, wow. too. That's a good pull. Yes, it is Cocktails and Dreams. It is the blue and pink neon logo from the actual bar on the fucking boat, guys. Which, this is all fun and games, but seriously, the rumors are is that Tom Cruise is going to play a multiverse variant. Oh, my God of iron man and here's a tom cruise movie showing up in this trailer yeah being being referenced in a marvel film so i again i don't know if that's just a little bit of f you to the fans i don't know if it's just like this guy you know this guy's weird off sense of humor but it is it's just fantastic either way it was i was i'm in so i have to throw this out there um dave I, i there was a point in my life where i got sick of that Appetite for Destruction in the Guns N' Roses album. I was just, it was just overplayed. And it's Fair. been so long since I've heard that 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 record. And hearing it on this trailer, it's it's like the perfect time to sort of bring it back. 
Because it, with, it, with, it, along with the visual imagery, it was just, oh my God, this is amazing. It, it's, little, it's definite proof that if there's any question about the age group that they're marketing these things for, yes. like, nope, there is no question about it anymore. Yes. And I see if you're dead wrong. I've never got tired of listening to Sweet Child of Mine. I've got tired of listening to other Guns N' Roses song. That song, sir, stands apart and alone. One of the best guitar riffs in all of rock and roll, Fair heavy enough. metal dumb. Absolutely. And, and in such a unique way, when this trailer starts out, it is not the actual riff. Like you, everything's isolated and they have a, an alternate version of just the guitar of Slash's part. And it's mellow. It's got this. And I heard that was, that was like a remix from like a, a 2010 re-release album but i haven't chased down if that's true or not i need to i need to find that because that version is it's beautiful it's beautiful. it's very melodic it's very melodic as opposed to just kind of in your face just balls out oh yeah, yeah here we go this is like you said it's mellow yeah. it's meditative it's it is. perfect it's so good so nico i'm curious i'm curious to 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 hear how this impacted you or what was your take on this trailer and did the music uh, move you in the same way that it moved the rest of us old guys it doesn't i don't think like for me i don't get that nostalgia factor from it yeah um it's definitely stuff that i'm familiar with um i mean greg being my dad and my mom yeah being i was gonna say greg group. at least right yeah like yeah. i grew up around this music for sure mm. um but yeah i didn't i don't get that same you know it doesn't tug at the heartstrings. um mm. but that withstanding this trailer was fantastic and this movie looks amazing and chris is such a good thor and taika watiti is such a hilarious human and his you know his vision of uh what this this character and the world that he you know inhabits is is amazing um, and I am so stoked to see this movie. Um, that being said, I'm a little uh, now maybe I'm misremembering, but we did not get ACDC as the song running through this trailer, did we? I don't remember any ACDC in this, but I because only watched it maybe twice. So just, because if this roses. trailer just started, yeah. if this trailer started with some. Uh, 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 uh. Oh no! It was the I would have lost it because I would have been amazing, <laughs> and I think it was a missed opportunity. Uh, uh, that works. All right, that all works. right. Because okay. I got the riff right when you started to sing our hum mm-hmm. there. So yeah, the movie dog. is called Love and Thunder. Uh. And it's the same time. It's I feel the same kind of vibe that you could have got from it, and I think it just would have been an amazing song to put to a a movie. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna build off of Nico's momentum right here, and I'm gonna agree with him because as much as I will still back the Guns N' Roses choice because it does mention thunder in the song, and also there's a subtle hint in the song about blue eyes and blue skies and if mm-hmm. you watch that trailer again and we'll break it down with greg later but it's oh God, it really eyes. shows a lot of <laughs> like parallels to what we see at the beginning but thunderstruck would have been 
awesome. And it would have been very reminiscent of the very first Marvel film out the gate for this cinematic universe, Iron Man, with oh, the yeah. ACDC stuff. Yes. It would have been a nice tie-in to that. Since yeah. we're starting basically a whole new phase of movies. And yeah, no, that's a great pull, Nico. That really is. I what do I know? I'm just a millennial. I don't know anything about good music. Did I say that? I, <laughs> nobody's ever said that. I, I love the uh, the kinky hair, the 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 kink oh, yeah. like and permed his little, hair. And his little braid, <laughs> his one single little side braid. Yeah, oh. he's got the braid back. Oh man, awesome. Greg, Greg's all uh, he's he's getting a hard on for it. <laughs> wow. uh, that being said, the his new old costume looks so good with the it fur does. trim. It looks so good. That's okay. Shit, we got a million things to say and we, we shouldn't, but I just got to pull this because Dave's here. Is that a Jack Kirby reference to the new co- the new costume that we see in the movie is an older style, right? I don't recognize that style from the comics, but okay. it screams Kirby to me. Like if, right. if, if that's not a lift from the Kirby era, it's a, an homage to Kirby stuff. And well, we know yeah. we know from Ragnarok, they love them some Kirby. Like that yeah. whole thing was just a monument to Kirby's artistic style and genius. Well, the colors for sure, but there's actually a scene when we see the, the little montage of the, the little Thor, then the teenage Thor. He's wearing the original, uh, I think, Kirby outfit, right? He's got the the big silver wings mm-hmm. coming off of his head and everything. I was just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. They're going full in on this. It's about well, time. They, sure. They did. And, and just remember in Loki, uh, we had, uh, we had a Loki variant who was dressed in the classic original Kirby design for Loki. So right. Marvel's uh, Marvel's being very smart and wise about when they dip in the, the, the bag of IP that they have to, yeah. to use and pull these things out. And hey. there, there is there is a scene in that trailer that is a direct lift from a comic panel, and we can talk about that later. But it's an nice. I mean, if I put if I took a screenshot of it and put it up next to the panel from the comics, it's, yeah, it's not. I even know, a I know what you're talking about. Uh, so just think about this real quick before we move on uh, to discuss uh, Moon Knight and all that. What you just said right there, Dave. We now have a Loki original costume we have a thor original costume we have a wanda and vision original costume from the halloween episode mm. will we see all the avengers in their original comic book forms from like the 60s that would be fucking amazing right well we we might and i'll throw out that there is another easter egg in there there is uh when there is a scene where thor is wearing a avengers hat and i'm pretty sure the avengers logo is the original avengers logo it from, is from issue one world's mm. strongest avenger Damn. Yep. That's such a good I'm also pretty sure Thor wrote World's Strongest Avenger <laughs> on the hat, but that's not a, that wasn't purchased that way. That was. That was so great. Oh my Sorry, God. I drifted off when you said Wanda. What what were you ta- talking about just yeah, now? Yeah, Wanda oh. outfit. Original Whatever. Wanda outfit. Hey, let's let's give a little love to Jane Foster too. She <laughs> her at the end of this episode, right? With uh, Natalie Portman playing right. that role. Is, in the, no, in I was gonna say, trailer. is that Natalie yep. Portman? That's oh, Natalie yeah. Portman is Jane Foster. Okay. Because yeah. that was going to be a point that I was going to bring up. I thought it looked like the her what was what's her name, and she was in WandaVision as well. The um the assistant. So see, I didn't look at any credits. I haven't looked at mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. uh, any cast list or anything. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, that's cool. We're gonna get mm-hmm. you know the the female Thor, but in the comics, it is it's Jane Foster Thor, but it looked like that assistant. 
uh, girl. And so I was a little, you know, intrigued at how they would play that off. But if that is Natalie Portman, that is Jane Foster. That I, I'm going to give a lot of props to, lot. to Natalie Portman right now. She is buff looking in that yeah. shot, man. Those arms, I'm like, yeah, oh. her arm looks pretty. She looks pretty buff. So if this is Natalie Portman as Jane Foster Thor, Scott yeah. and Dave, does this mean that we're going to get King Thor? Are we going to get Rune King Thor? Uh, I don't know I, if they're... Yeah. Go ahead, Dave. I, I don't think so, just because my my understanding of the Jane Foster's Thor storyline was that Thor was proven to be unworthy yeah. of being Thor. And I don't see how he would... And I'm not terribly familiar with the storyline, because it happened after I stopped reading the, the comics on the regular every month. But if he's unworthy of being Thor, I'm not sure how he winds up being King Thor. Mm. The, the King Thor storyline that I, I'm familiar with happened sometime before Jane Foster became, uh, became Thor. And okay. I don't know that it would track or parallel with, with that well, particular... I, just, I thought that was the whole thing with the, the Jane Foster Thor run was that Thor was, yes, he's still himself, uh, but without the hammer... He's kind of focused more on rebuilding Asgard and less about being Thor, the superhero. I think, I think they're going to touch on that. I, th I think, I know there's a lot of questions, but I really think we should probably hold off on some of those to save it for the show, save it for, well, yeah. just to get Greg in on this, because I know he's going to want to go off on a few things. And, and Dave is, I know, holding back on a certain panel, which I know exactly which one he's talking about, which is shocking that it's in the trailer, but, um, but let, can we do that? Is that cool? Yeah. 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 Let's hold off. I just want to mention there. If you, if you search the Thor movie posters for love and thunder, there's a great poster of, um, uh, it's clearly Natalie Portman and it's, it's titled, it says Thor love and thunder and it's subtitled uh, actually above the title. Um, the one is not the only yeah. uh, Thor love and thunder. And then it's uh, July 8th, July 8th is the release date on this film. Damn. We're going right from uh, multiverse of madness in yeah. what may, and then just a month and a half later, we're getting two, Thor. two weeks for Dr. Strange. Man, oh god, they're fun. gonna be in Big theaters simultaneously. Yes, yeah, they will be. You could you could totally double feature this if you wanted Ooh, to. That that we should do that. That sounds fun. All right, let's All right. move on, guys. We got to save some of this stuff for Greg because Greg's gonna wanna gonna wanna chime in. Guys, let's talk about Moon Knight. We got ep fourth episode of Moon Knight. Uh, I have no idea how to moderate this because I have not seen episode four of Moon Knight, but that's okay. I'm just going to I'm I'm going to do my best here to tee it up for you guys, and I don't mind the spoiler, so don't hold back. It is out as of today, as we record the show on Wednesday, April twentieth. Uh, we'll probably drop this on Friday. So can we no get spoilers? To, yeah. Can we get a countdown? So can we get a countdown to blow well, fucking Steve's no. mind? That's all. I'm no, no, no. Well, I was, I was just like, it, it, isn't there a, a, an internet thing where it's like summarize a movie badly and the the, the gag is episode three, Re uh, Revenge of the Sith is summarized as man denied promotion kills co-workers. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, Jesus. Which is, uh. not, which is not accurate at all and yet totally on the nose. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I, feel, yeah. I feel like the summary for episode four is plot twist, 
the first three episodes didn't matter. Mm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I, so or, I haven't talked about or night at did all. They? Or did they? They, they did not. What a, what a colossal waste of fucking time. I'm so, sorry. What, waking what, up and it's waking it. All that was missing was was Bobby Ewing looking at us and saying good oh, morning. That's I knew you were going to go down this, this path. And Steve's like, wait, you guys are jumping to it. All right, let's start. Let's let's no, back no, no. up. I just I just do want to say I just do want to say I'm in, I've enjoyed the show so far for through three episodes. I understand the criticisms of the show. I personally like the show. I think it's great. I think it's a lot of fun. I'm coming at it completely blank slate. So what it, it is what it is. I have no preconceived notions about anything on the show. And so I like it. It's fun. You know, it, it's like it, it's it, it, it's a little bit less popcorny than um, you know, some of the other Marvel stuff that I we've we've reviewed. But I like it. I, I, I think it's great. Um, it's a, it's been a little predictable, but that's okay because it, the production value is so fucking great that, you know, it's been great through three episodes. So that, I just want to put that out there that I do enjoy the show and I have really liked it. I haven't gotten to talk about you guys about this at all with you guys. So with that as the, my personal backdrop, I want to hear what did you think about episode four? I just want to say one thing before Dave jumps in. Steve, since what you just said is so relevant to this review, I want you to do one thing for me, one favor, okay? Okay. Don't believe a word that Dave is going to tell you right now. Oh, so nothing. Okay, so just typical show process. Okay. Um, Don't believe Dave. Dave is one of the most trustworthy people I know. I don't. I already know where he's going just by what he said. So this is going to be, this is my friend from two weeks ago who had a great time. We worked together on reviewing this. Dave is in my, he's on my personal board of directors. How can I not trust Dave? So there's, there's two directions things this can go here. So to to keep on the theme of summarizing it quickly, because we got to We got to move the episode along. We can't spend an hour and a half talking about a 40 minute episode. No, Uh, we've got about 15 minutes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. The, the first probably two thirds of the episode is uh, is the best episode of the young Indiana Jones Chronicles I've ever seen, which is, uh, you know, our main character, Stephen Grant and uh, Mark Spector's wife is spelunking into the heretofore undiscovered tomb of Alexander the Great to try to be Ethan Hawke to the MacGuffin to prevent him from uh, resurrecting Amit. Okay. And they actually and they actually pull it off. They actually pull it off, and then Ethan Hawke shoots Steve Grant point blank in the chest like 17 times, and he Wife. falls into a pool of water. Whatever, whatever. It's better when I tell it, Scott. It's oh, better when my I tell God. Oh, don't believe him, Steve. <laughs> you already said not to believe anything I'm going to say, so I'm just, I'm, I'm just rolling with it. All right, go. And uh, the next thing wow. happens after Steve Grant falls into the pool of water, and I thought that the moment was, was an interesting, interesting moment while it was happening because my recollection is that the, the character becomes the fist of Khonshu in the comics because he has a near-death experience in Egypt, wanders into a temple of Khonshu and is near death. And Khonshu speaks to him and is like, hey, I'll save your life, but you're going to be my, my fist of vengeance on the mortal plane from now on, buddy. And so he agrees to that. And that's how he becomes Moon Knight. So I was like, oh, we might do the thing after the thing, do it in the wrong order. And that would be cool. But they go a completely different direction with it. And Steve Grant apparently wakes up in a mental asylum with his wife as a patient, like he's Brad Pitt and fucking 12 monkeys. 
or Bruce Willis and fucking 12 monkeys. Take your pick. And Ethan Hawke is his psychiatrist and he's medicated out of his mind. Whoa. Drooling on And himself. he's trying to escape. And then he rescues, and then he rescues his alternate personality <laughs> from a sarcophagus. So now they're both there running around the mental institution trying to escape. And a giant woman with a hippopotamus head walks out of a door and says hi to them. And that's where the episode ends. <laughs> Don't forget the part. Getting... Yeah. Oh, did, we, we, uh, did I say uh, anything that was untrue except for the 17 shots? That was a whirlwind. Nope. Did you mention Jacob? Yeah. We need to, okay. we need to have, he's just, adding, I'm just saying, did I say anything that was untrue except for the number of shots? That were no, fired you're fine. Your That's actually everything he said, except for the 17 shots. Is Even the hippopotamus head. Yes. Yeah. It's, a, it's a full size hippopotamus woman who is one of the gods. And, and she walks yeah. out and says, hi there. And I'm pretty sure it was an Egyptian God. I just cannot remember her name to save my life. Wait a minute. And I haven't say, had time to look it up. Does she say there. hello there? Hello. There. No, she's Go just right. like, Hey, like Nico. Hi, yeah. how you doing? Hi, hi. how you doing? I was, it was Hi, hello how you doing <laughs> we should overdub that that'd be great um well god yeah. nico god. he's wow. not wrong i just think you're leaving a lot out and you're summarizing it to 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 steer steve away from <laughs> what i think is the greatness of this which i'm going to go down the fight club okay. version of this okay so i just want to conclude here so there, there are basically two paths before us. There's the path where you can say, as a, as a storytelling device now, everything that happened in the first three and a half episodes was a dream. And Mark Spector, Stephen Grant, whoever has been in this asylum the whole time, and he dreamed this. And they, they set it up so that that's a possibility. And if that's what they're doing, I find that to be honestly lazy storytelling. I, I hate too. stories where it's like you wake up and it was all a dream. Why did I get invested in this if it was all a dream? It's a personal pet peeve of mine. Drives me insane. Okay. That said, there is another path where they could go down. And they certainly planted some seeds for that throughout the sequence right. where it's not a dream. There's something else going on that we don't yet understand. Exactly. And if, and if that's the case, then... Yes, the first three episodes could have still mattered, and it's important, and it all does link together in a logical, progressive, and satisfying way. But if we're going down the other path where it was just a dream, where it's Bob Ewing in the shower saying good morning, I'm going to be really, really freaking disappointed. <laughs> I know you are. I will, too. I will. Okay. I just, um, just, just, just to lay it out there, that's where I'm going with it. If it's, if it's point A, I have a problem. If it's point B, I'm waiting to see how episodes five and six play out. Okay, so Steve, he's oh, not wrong. Everything wrong. he said is right, uh, but there's okay. more to it than that. And I think it's point B, what Dave's saying. I think what we're seeing here is the mental break, which is actually based off of one of the Moonlight comic book series where there is an entire insane asylum episode or a, a series that explains his multiple per or DID, uh, disassociative identity disorder or whatever. So mm -hmm. I think what we see is a build up to that moment. And Dave, I get the point. If you, so the problem I have with what Dave's saying right here is this, and it, it's, I, I kind of agree with him, but I also disagree. The fact that we know how Moon Knight in the comics gets to be the avatar for Khonshu has not been really presented to us in the comics. He is killed and Khonshu resurrects him and he becomes the avatar for him the fists of fury or whatever he is. I, Whatever it is. Mr. Conscious. Yes. So 
we have a moment like that, which looks like what's happening in the comic books, but after the fact that he's already Moon Knight and has all these other personalities, that happens in this tomb sequence, and we do see him get shot and presumably killed, because he is shot, it looks like, in the heart. I mean, not 17 yeah. times, but it looks like he gets shot twice in the heart. And he falls into this water that's surrounding the tomb. And that leads to the moment where we wake up in this asylum. Here's where Dave leaves a lot out. If you watch that sequence, which I've now watched it a few times, everything's connected. Every single thing. He just mentioned his wife. Every single person in that asylum is something that has happened already in the show. Hmm. You have the fake cops that are part of... um, uh, Ethan Hawke's little crew, they're in there. They're the, the wards that hold them back at one point. You see all the different vials that you see throughout there are scattered throughout the entire episode. Every, even the, even the uh, co-worker that he hates, the girl that is giving him shit all the time, is literally holding a stuffed animal, which is a scarab, a blue scarab, which is the thing mm. that we've been watching the whole time. Is it something that he's just, <clears throat> like Dave said, point A, it's all been a dream, and now he's just seeing things in the asylum, or is it reversed? Is it something that one of his personalities or what his brain is doing is putting it into a compartment and that's like a safety net? Because there's a couple things that have happened in the episode that they don't show until one moment when they're running through the hallways, when the two, Mark and uh, Stephen, come together and they're running to escape. There is another personality. Because the first personality he pulls out of a sarcophagus, which is Stephen, right? And then the second Correct. one, you see a third sarco- another sarcophagus, and they're not going to let him out. That, they don't I know think, who it is, yeah. And I think that yeah. is the it, Jake Lockley character. And I, I caught that, too. And I thought the thing I noticed about it was that Mark runs right by that. Mark just kind of side-eyes that and just keeps going. Yeah. Like, he doesn't want to deal with it. And Stephen's kind of stopping, like, wait, don't you want to – wait, don't we want to get this, too? Right. Like he, that, that version is much more interested in getting the third sarcophagus open than Marcus. Well, especially because the ending of the last episode, episode three, where we see, um, what is it? Uh, at the end of it, we see all that blood and violence and Steven is inside and Mark has control of the body. Yeah. Right. And it was in the in the recap of this episode. And, and Mark lets go of the guy that he had just stabbed. And then he looks in the truck's mirror and he, and you hear Steven say, Mark, what have you done? And Mark's like, it wasn't me. Yeah. So if it's not Mark and it's not Steven, that means that presumably we're uh, assuming that this is going to be Jacob um, is the one so. who's running around doing stuff. Um but we haven't we haven't met that character yet, but we know he exists before even the sarcophagus. And so now that sarcophagus is kind of uh, the next little tidbit of, you know. Well, what I what I love about that, Nico, is it's not just that moment in this episode before we get to the insane asylum part of the, the institution. We have a moment where they're going to climb down into the tomb and he does a fight club moment. He punches himself in the face. And it's that was not, awesome. I know. That was awesome. But and it was that was in reaction to that was in reaction to uh, the kissing of the wife. Right. Stephen Grant kisses the wife, and Mark somehow gets control of the body long enough to punch Stephen slash himself 
in the face. <laughs> but then here's the catch. Look We're at daring the to do that. Rewatch that sequence. It's not Mark. They don't know who punched him himself in the face. And that's why I think it's the Jake Lockley character who in the comics is kind of a rough and tumble cab driver, right? Who's the, I, the, I think so. Yes. And he's the one that has more of the violent tendencies. So my thing is we're getting int introduced to another personality in all of this. And we're just being brought back to a hub that's being for us as viewers, almost like you said, a, a Bobby Ewing or whatever moment from Dallas where it's just all a dream. It's, I don't think it is. I think this is just the, the compartments of his brain that we're seeing. And as he's finally being able to escape out of it with Mark and Steven, God, I'm losing track of all these fucking personalities, but <laughs> um, that last hallway run when they're running down and they're getting to the door before the hippo shows up, which sounds so fucking crazy right now. Seriously. I'm when you see it, Steve, you're going to die. Um, yeah. I'm losing track of the names too. And I'm seriously thinking of putting sticky notes up here for myself. And that just reminded me of a great bit from the newsroom where the, the, the main character was like high on pot accidentally and had to go on and do a new breaking news story about uh, the, you know, the America had killed Osama bin Laden. And one of his aides puts a sticky note on the desk that reads in big letters, Osama, not Obama. <laughs> and the anchor character who is just high out of his fucking mind in this moment like just stares down at it and he looks up he's like that's fair thank you <laughs> oh my god uh yeah so that's that's what i think is that we're seeing his actual like his brain our point of view of what either mark or steven's brain is and that third sarcophagus or second sarcophagus is the jake lockley character which i don't think either one of them again, from what we know, don't know that he kind of really exists. There's another personality or he's so locked away that we're finally maybe seeing him breaking free. So is this true to the way the comics are written? Is it a multiple personality disorder that the, that, that this, you know, yes. that Moon Knight is suffering from? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. In fact, there's a lot more backstory to it, which makes it difficult to watch any of these shows, if you know a lot of the history, like I know Dave and I think uh, Greg and Nico, we've kind of all discussed it a little bit. It's hard because in Moon Knight, you have this, which is fantastic. Uh, it's such a great, you know, I, I, I laughed every time I heard this before the show came out where people were like, oh, it's just the Marvel's version of Batman. And I'm like, I, I hate saying this, but it's like, screw you guys. If you don't know what this character's backstory is, you don't understand what Batman versus other superheroes are and to see yeah. what we're seeing on screen. I, I give Disney and Marvel a lot of, a lot of credit just to even attempt this. Um, but the hard thing to do is to tell an accurate storyline of his origin. Like Dave was saying, he was killed and then resurrected and brought back and became the avatar. We didn't really see it in that order. And so to have him being shot and killed in this episode, presumably, um, it kind of throws people like us who know a little bit of the backstory out of whack. So, yeah, I mean, is this is this the Star Wars equivalent of like a, a nine num series, or you know, I don't know, like a, a Greedo series or something? You know, like uh, taking this like minor character and giving them full treatment for six you know television episodes 
I mean, that's that's the beauty of Marvel, right? Is that they, you know, they're they're able Disney's able to like weave this tapestry of all these minor characters and really blow them up, and 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 illuminate them to weave this like beautiful map of characters together. It, it it's a, it's a really beautiful thing that we're seeing if you if you're for Marvel fans. If if you got a good point, Steve. The problem with it is is Moon Knight's. I wouldn't call him a like a minor character, like you described nine numb or something. I, there's so many characters and Moon Knight's history is God. He was first introduced in what the seventies, early seventies or late sixties. I think, I think late seventies, late seventies. Okay. Cause where it was a werewolf by night comic. And I feel yeah. like the, the horror peak for Marvel was kind of those mid to late seventies. Yeah. So we get all those, those comics, which we're going to start to see Steve, um, the connections will start to come through. But first of all, Moon Knight does become an Avenger at one point. I think it's West okay. Coast Avengers. Yeah, um, West Coast Avengers 21. Yeah. And then what we're also seeing, like Dave mentioned, is there was a, a, a slew of horror comics that they really introduced, a darker version of Marvel, I think in the late 60s, early 70s, or mm -hmm. mid 70s. Um, so you get Blade, which we already got introduced to the character by way of a voice. Um, and then you got werewolf by werewolves by night. And then you got, um, God was what, Dave, there was a whole like midnight suns crossover thing, right? There's a whole bunch of dark, dark characters. Yeah. But I don't think moon Knight was a part of that. The midnight suns was more of the, the supernatural, like ghost rider and dark hold and there you go. And all that nonsense. Right. Uh, but I just looked involved. it up and moon Knight's first appearance was uh, in a comic cover dated August, 1975. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, so he's been around, um, and, and then you just get this different aspect of the Marvel Cinematic or Marvel Universe, which is amazing that they're still doing this. And this is what I give testament to, that Marvel is doing a better job of bringing all of these characters to screen in some way, shape, or form, and even embracing the Netflix stuff now. Now we're getting them yeah. introduced into the, in, the universe, so... Freaking geniuses. That's awesome. There. That's yeah. awesome. All right. Okay. Well, so, yes, Steve, to answer your question, also, I'm just efforting some stuff here because I reveal on the podcast that you didn't listen to. I haven't read a lot of Moon Knight comics. I don't have a lot of intimate mm. familiarity with this character. Yeah. But other subsequent identities who do not assume the Moon Knight identity have emerged at other points during Mark Spector's adulthood, including a werewolf fighting astronaut impersonation impersonators of Conchu, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Captain America, Iron Man, and Echo, and a red-haired little girl known as the Inner Child. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I should have just stopped at, astronaut, at Werewolf Fighting Astronaut, because really, where do you go from there? That's, <laughs> that's amazing. Whoever thought of that, you didn't get paid enough. <laughs> All right, so, so we should not be demanding like a full series about like Lobot or you know Ben Quadraneros to to balance out the Star Wars. I'll t I'll take a Lobot series. A Lobot series would be pretty cool. Forget about Ben I'm, Quadraneros. I'm still waiting for the trilogy about <laughs> Aunt Beru. At, at the Admiral Mahdi six six series, you know, six <laughs> episode series is what I'm waiting for. He gets choked for six episodes. Is that, is that all he does? He chokes on a on a. Uh, Bib Fortuna sandwich. <laughs> uh, have you seen the know. meme where Vader's choking the guy and it's just, and the, the meme says, you know, ooh, harder daddy. And Vader stops and goes, wait, what? And the guy's like, wait, what'd you say? All right, cue the closing music. That's where you're 
<laughs> oh my god. Oh my oh, god. Man. Well, I'm glad that we got to cover this together, guys. That was uh, that was fun. Um, thanks for bringing me up to speed. I have some viewing to do, apparently. Yep. Moon Knight, episode four of season one. Is there going to be a season two? Have they announced anything beyond season one? Or is no. this a one-off? I think this is a one-off. Probably. I, mean, I think he's pretty sure it's a one-off. I think yeah. they're going to introduce the character into the films, right? Uh, I was going to say, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with this character going forward. Because he is a fairly minor character in the comics. He might have, you know, like one or two things that he does that are pretty substantial and, you know, pivotal. He might be the the guy who needs to get to MacGuffin because he's the only one who knows where it is. But overall, he's a pretty non-factor kind of a character. This episode did give us, though, the Moon Knight axe. Did you notice that, Nico? The axe that's prominent in the, the Moon Knight meme that you talked yeah. about last episode. Yeah, that he picked it up from the tomb. No, yeah. yeah. And if you're if you're wondering what we're talking about, Steve, um, if you check the text thread, that was a great, oh. the random bullshit go, which oh, yeah. is, yeah, that's, that's the Moon Knight. And that's, you know, <laughs> when all else fails, call in the Wretched Hive for some random bullshit go. Yeah, I, I, I made that meme that says when the Wretched High podcast has no time for show prep. Random oh, bullshit. was that no. you? That was me, yes. Oh, I listened oh, okay. to the show last week and put it on there. <laughs> Good job. That's awesome. And, and I, I'm waiting. I, I'm still holding out for now because of this. I want a DAC six television show series Dak. about DAC. Yeah, I do. I want it. Maybe one about Porkins, too. You know, throw Porkins in there. Dak and Porkins. Can we get a Saboba backstory to figure out why he's so angry all the time? Maybe one about Admiral Piet, too. Just before he... He, he did survive two movies, right? So He did. So, or, well, yeah. kind of. You know what? What about one about Mike, Mike Bronk? Power droid. Oh. They could make. They could totally make a series called Bronk. <laughs> you know, I, I think, Steve, have you watched Rebels? <laughs> I'm familiar. Yeah, because they have a they have Chopper and the Imperial That's Protocol Droid AP5. Yeah, As, like those those two should get a spinoff series. Those that's the best C3PO R2D2 <laughs> that's not done by C3PO and R2D2. Yeah, you you would like them, Steve. You would like them a lot. What about a almost famous version, but it's like Max Rebo and the band. Now that's interesting because yeah. of what we've already talked about. We think there's some deeper stuff going on with Max. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I think deeper, he's deeper stuff. Max Rebo is Kaiser Sosa. He's the actual crime lord of Tatooine. <laughs> yeah, he is. Have a great week. Uh, we'll be back soon with another Wretched Hive podcast. Until then, may the force be with us all. 